0: Ah, well, great uh, great message last week, how Linhart, our guest speaker, came and talked about our calling, which was pretty interesting since that's the name of our church. He did not he did not put those things together until he, he realized that's what God gave him to speak on. And so if you were here last week, hopefully you were encouraged by this word that we all have, the general calling to, to serve and to worship and to give and do all those things. We also have a specific calling on our life that God wants to... to, to So let us become aware of so that you can use us in powerful ways here on the earth. We are talking today, this is kind of a continuation of the series of habits for our holiness, spiritual disciplines, things that we can practice. Uh, things that help us to grow up in our faith, help draw us together as a body of Christ and help send us out. Which, by the way, in every one of these disciplines, I think it's interesting that as we practice them, there are practical ways that we can go out into the community, out into our world and make an impact and make a difference. It's not just for us. It's for those that we come in contact with each and every day. Today, the discipline is, is the practice of simple living, and so it's possessing possessing your possessions. Possessing your possessions. So let us pray and we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for this space. Thank you for all the faces and lives and the stories that are represented here today. Would you pour out your, your spirit today? Would you speak to us? Would you speak to me as I'm speaking to your, your children? Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you... So patient with us God so patient and uh, not worthy of that Lord but we thank you for it. God I pray that you would move and have your way today. We thank you for all you do in Jesus name. amen five thousand advertisements every day we are in com- we are uh, um, engaged with <laughs> or come in contact. 5,000 advertisements per day. By the time you're 21 years old, one million advertisements you will experience. By the time you're 21 years old. Bombarding you (laughs) with the same message, basically, right? You have to have this. Whatever this is. Your life will not be the same without it. Your life will be better with it. 5,000 Advertisements per day. All right, so you see if you can fill, uh, fill in the blank. Walmart save money, live better. Try, save money on buying more stuff, you will live better. I promise you, I guarantee it. Nationwide is boom right there. It's on your. It is on your side, like it's there for you. Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, unless you've ever taken small kids there. What were they thinking? (laughs) No, what were we thinking? Uh, Hallmark, when you care enough to send the very best. Like seriously, don't send anything less than that. It's got to be the best. So if you did not send a a Hallmark card for Valentine's Day, you did not care enough to send the very best. Burger King, have it right there. Have it your way. That is that is like the umbrella of all of this. Have it your way. It's about you. Have it your way. Just it's a great message, right? And it, it works. So we're gonna talk about possessions, things, stuff. And the reality is the question is do we have them or do they have us? The more we have, the more we have to keep up with. Six cars. That's I'm a fleet manager. I'm not a husband or a father. I'm a fleet manager at my house, and I'm not even good at it. I'm terrible. Well, I don't know how much. What does your car say? Does it have a light that says your oil needs to be changed? What does the little thing say? Well, I don't know. I'm like 3,000 miles over. Ah, close enough. Get the oil changed. When was the last time you rotated the tires? Well, I rotate them every time I drive. They rotate, right? No, that's not what I'm talking about. When was the last time you? You know, change the cabin air filter. $60 for a cabin air filter. That's crazy. That's a crime. You can get $8 on Amazon. Watch a YouTube video. Change it yourself. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm a terrible fleet manager, but I have six cars to keep track of. Now, my son is he's doing pretty good. He's learning to take care of his own car. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday was a perfect timing. Yesterday, he got pulled over by a, a, a local police officer. I didn't know you had to... What is that tag in the center, that little date on there? We have to change that? Uh, yes. Uh, every year or every two years, depending on like how, how that works. The greatest thing is when you can start doing that online, right? You can renew your tags online. Yes, there is a God in heaven. He loves us. 300,000 items is the average of the things that we have in our home. 300,000 different items we have in our house. Does that overwhelm you? That's crazy. That's just an average. We have 300,000 items underneath the sink in our bathroom. <laughs> Serious. And we have two of everything. I was looking in our cabinets our today. Two, which by the way, These two forks, there's a reason why I have these two forks. You're curious why I have these two forks. I forgot they were in my pocket earlier, and they they fell out of my pocket, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I put these pockets. I'll put them in my pocket right now. So what are some extremes in our culture when it comes to our possessions? Well, hoarding is one extreme, right? That's on one extreme of like, I just have, I have stuff upon stuff upon stuff. I grew up in a small town where they had a little variety store, it was our version of the dollar store, and they had stuff packed as high as you could possibly get it. It was claustrophobic, I don't know how anybody could find anything in that store. There is a little, um, there's a little hardware store over in Weston, are you guys familiar with this hardware store? It's like that. Just, they told me, go in and ask so-and-so. I don't even know what their name are. But they'll know where it's at. If they have it, they'll know where it's at. I'm like, this will be a miracle <laughs> if that is true. Sure enough, I ask them for it. They're like, nope, don't have that. Go down the store down, down the block there. They probably have it. And they did. I was amazed. They have it all right there in their head. Hoarding is one extreme. The other extreme would be a monastic lifestyle. It would be the vow of poverty. It would be, I have... I have removed myself so far away from the things of this culture that it's almost like that becomes the idol. That becomes the, the focus of our attention. Like, living without anything makes me more holy, makes me better than everybody else. It's like complete, the opposite end of the spectrum of 40. But in our modern culture, there's something that I just discovered just recently, and I've heard about it, but I did a little bit of research on it. It was a more acceptable form of of this poverty lifestyle, monastic lifestyle. When I say monastic, like monks, you monastery, like separating yourself away from the culture. And that is minimalism. How many of you have heard about this? Minimalism, being a minimalist. It's become quite the rage. All kinds of TED Talks about this. You know, the TED Talks are like, under a certain amount of time, like, short little messages about certain things. People are making a living off of being a minimalist. They have blogs. By the way, I guess that's the cool thing. You have a blog. People have gone to the extreme where they have limited themselves to just 100 items. So you take a piece of paper, and you sit down and you write one to 100 and you list the things that you cannot live without and all the rest of the stuff that doesn't make the list, you get rid of some people have gone to the extreme where they only have two forks. That might not be such a bad thing until it's time to eat ice cream. <laughs> but unless you have more than two people in your home. You know, what would it be like if we had two forks in our house? All right, mom and I are gonna eat first, then we're gonna wash it, and we'll give it to you, then you can eat. Or We'll just take a bite and we'll dip it in and wash it. Give it to the next person. We'll just go around the table. We'll just keep the forks moving. we'd eat slower that way. Two forks. Or two bowls. Two this, two that. 100 items. People living in 400 square foot homes. This is the tiny house movement. Is there anybody that's been intrigued by that at all? Like you're thinking, I would like to try that out. Yeah. Jay, why didn't you raise your hand? Libby raised her hand. Jay's... (laughs) Jay's like the bigger the better. I am not going back. Four hundred square foot home. You gone on a cruise? You've done that, you know, for at least a week. There's a young man who moves to a different country every four months, and everything that he owns is in the backpack on his back. You're thinking, hmm. I kinda like that idea. New country every four months. And I guess supposedly he allows people on his webpage to choose for him where he's going to go next. He just, it's a vote. He's just like, all right, tell me where I'm going. And then he packs up and he moves. But he doesn't pack up. He just stands up and he goes to the next place. Pretty simple living. So what is minimalism? If we had to sum it up, it says this is off of a web page. Minimalist.com or minimalism.com. I don't really if we had to sum it up in a single sentence, we would say minimalism is a tool to rid yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important so you can find happiness, fulfillment, and freedom. That doesn't sound that bad, does it? I mean, in the spiritual context, which we'll unpack a little bit this morning, it's not a bad idea, as long as that doesn't become the end of all things. Like that doesn't become your focus or your idol or you think that you worship is the minimalist part. But getting rid of stuff may not be that bad. Well, by the way, as I was listening to this, um, actually I heard a pastor speak on this too and he was talking about this and he was saying, there's actually some people called freegans. Has anybody ever heard of that? Freegans. These are people who don't ever buy food. They get all of their food for free one way or another. That might be just dumpster diving. Some people think pastors are freegans because people take me out to lunch or buy me coffee or whatever, which is, you know, that's a good thing. But can you imagine being a freegan where you don't ever pay for food? You just, you literally, you're trusting God for your daily bread and the bread might come out of a dumpster. That would be an extreme, extreme. Can we, here's a question, can we actually have more by having less? I want you to think about that. Can we have more by having less? And and I'll ask you this question, and I want you guys to respond to this. How would your life improve if you had less, less stuff? Just give me some thoughts. Okay, yeah, boom, right away. Less to worry about, okay? Yeah, obviously, if we only had one car, that would make things a lot more challenging in our life, but it would be a lot easier to manage the fleet that just had one car, (laughs) okay? More time to focus on God, who else? Less to clean. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Why did I just hear women's voices? I don't know. I know some guys do your part too. Small part, but you do your part. But what, anything else? Less debt. Right, yeah, less debt. Um, I didn't give them a chance to do this, but I know a family that comes to our church that they, they live on one income, and they do it intentionally in order to focus more on one another and their family, their children. You know, it's like the more we have, the more we have to take care of it. Any other thoughts? Those are all good things. They're all things that he mentioned on this message I was listening to. Less distraction. Yeah, less things that get in the way, coming back to the time with God and, and those kind of things. So, so there is a benefit right to it, to having less stuff. Look, look in Ecclesiastes, all right? Ecclesiastes. That is in, right, kind of in the center of your Bible to the right of Psalms, Proverbs, right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes chapter two. Let's just just listen to a man who had everything that the world had to offer, everything. And his name is Solomon. And listen to his perspective when it comes to the things. Matter of fact, the subtitles, The Emptiness of Possessions. Starting in verse 4, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 4. The writer says, I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees. I acquired male and female servants and slaves who were born in my house. I also own livestock, large herds and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure for kings and provinces. I gathered male and female singers for myself and many concubines, the delights of men. So I became great, surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me. All that my eyes desire, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles, he says, were all these things. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile in a pursuit of the wind, there was nothing to be gained under the sun. He had a, had a, a grasp on reality, that no matter how much we have, if we think we can find our, our true fulfillment and happiness and peace in those particular things, he's telling you that it's not possible. But we love our stuff, don't we? I mean, can we just be honest? We love our stuff. I have some good stuff in my house. Stuff that brings me joy and stuff that brings me peace and stuff that just makes me remember and just... But I also have a lot of stuff that I wonder, why do I still have this? And we're in the process right now of... Decluttering our home because we are looking at maybe selling our home and moving to one we can live in for the rest of our life we won't fall down the steps and die but but it's going to be you know but we're going to have to go through all this stuff and it's not the stuff in itself is wrong it's the love of the stuff that is wrong and in First John chapter 2 he says do not love the world or anything in the world so it really becomes a, a heart issue becomes an issue of the heart. Do I love these things? I mean, it would be odd to say, oh, I love these things more than I love the Lord. We wouldn't necessarily say that, but at the same time, if they are distractions, if they are things that are getting in the way and there are things that are keeping us from, then then we should deal with it. We should wrestle with it a little bit. We should think through this. Have you ever had this thought, I'm holding on to it because one of these days I might need it, Anybody there? Yeah. So I packed it away somewhere, but I can't remember where it's at, but I'm keeping it for that day. There's a story about two men, and I won't share their names because some of you might know who they are, you might be familiar with the context. But there was a man who loved stuff. And he had a lot of it. He had rooms of stuff. And he was saving these things for that day. There might, I might need it someday. And then I remember the other man coming to him and said, Hey, you know what? You know where those one things are? We need two of them. And he's like, Yeah, I've got those. And he goes, Well, we're, we're needing them. But I've been saving them because we might need them someday. And the other man said, Today is that day. But it was hard for the person to let go of it. Even that day came and he still didn't want to let go of it because he loved those things. Is it that we are constantly searching for something to fill the void in our our soul? Is that what it is? Maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's what it really comes down to. We're, We're looking for something that is going to bring us lasting satisfaction. But like the great theologian Mick Jagger once said, I can't get no... Can't. Not on the ad that comes on TV, the thing that we think is going to provide it for us. By the way, the great theologian Mick Jagger is a friend of the great theologian M.C. Hammer. You know, (laughs) we talked about that a few weeks ago. How about stories in in the Bible? You know, the rich young ruler, man, he loved this stuff. And Jesus kind of confronted him on it. and was like, hey, there's something between you and me. You know, it's your stuff and you have a lot of it because you're a wealthy man. And I'm just saying, if you want to come follow me, that might be the thing that's keeping you from it. And I'm encouraging you right now to go give it all away to the poor and then come follow me. And the man left away sad because he had a lot of things. Isn't it true when we only have a few things, it's easy to give those things away, right? Like if I only had a dollar and the church needed 10 cents of it, no big deal. I got 90 cents left. But when you have $1,000, and the church is asking for 100 ah, let me think about that a little bit. Now we've raised the bar a little bit. Now it's going to hurt a little bit more. You love this stuff. Do you know that in Jesus' culture, they lived in what they would call a limited goods society? In the culture we all live in, that you're hearing my voice, we don't live in that society. You know why I know? Because you have more than one pair of shoes in your house. A lot more. <laughs> I was going to give my, heart, my wife a hard time. Well, she changed shoes. She bought some new shoes. They were nice shoes. I was going to give her a hard time about it this morning. But I'm just as guilty. You walk in my house, there's six pairs of shoes, three of them belong to me so I hide them away in the closet so nobody can see them so when they come in they just see one pair they lived in a limited good society so when Jesus challenged people to give away what it was that they had it was a bigger sacrifice because if they had two tunics that's probably all they had they didn't have four more at home he says give one away to the person who needs it trust me that one will be enough Because that's what it really comes down to. It comes down to the issue of trust. Luke chapter 12. Turn with me. Luke chapter 12. One of the stuff that I love, love watches, but this watch stopped working, so I feel like it is not right, so I had to get my phone out. Alright, so Luke chapter twelve, let's start at verse thirteen. And we're gonna read quite a bit, but I think there's a lot, there's a lot packed into this story. I think it helps us uh, deal with this this issue of what does it look like to live a more simplified life? What if we then declutter our lives so that we can't focus more on the Lord? And help us understand where is our treasure really? Like what is it that we really, really love and really find valuable? So starting in verse 13 of Luke chapter 12, someone from the crowd said to Jesus, said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? He then told them, Watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possession. Then he told him a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. And he thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I will tear down my old barns and build bigger ones and store all of my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself... You have many goods stored up for you for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? Question mark. That's how it will be with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Can I get an amen? And I get an old mind. Then he said to his disciples. So Jesus uses this as this teaching moment. He says to his disciples, "Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about what your life or about your life, what you will eat, about the body and what you will wear. For the life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens; they don't sow or reap, they don't have a storeroom or a barn. Yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than these birds?" Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin or thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you? you of little faith. Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious, for the Gentile world eagerly seeks after all these things, and your father knows what you need, or he knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's this theme all throughout Scripture, and the theme is, is, I've got your back. I'm enough. I know what you need. I will take care of you. Seek me. And you will find me. Seek me, and I will make sure that you have all the things that matter. The people of Israel were in the desert. It was manna from heaven. It was, I know what you need. Only collect enough for this day. Don't take too much. Just trust me for today. We pray it every single week. God, give us this day our daily bread. Trust me for what you need for this day. It's the cure for anxiety, by the way. Now, is this whole minimalistic idea evil, or is it wrong, or is there some things that we can learn from it? I think there are some things that we can take away, and let's process through those as we finish our time together. One of the things minimalism will help you do is it eliminate your discontent, and I love it when it comes to our possessions and our things and trusting God. It's learning to be content. It's about contentment. Paul said in Philippians chapter four, verse 12 through 13, it says, I know both how to make do with little and how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, which is the context of that verse. A lot of athletes use it, and that's great. But the context is, I can be okay, whether I have a lot or a little. I can be content with what God has given me. I can do all these things through Christ who gives me the strength to walk in that contentment. The author of the book, Philip Nation, said contentment is a witness of Christ's work in us. It's Christ having his way in us, where we're saying, it's okay, Jesus, you are enough. You are enough. One of the things minimalism will help you do is discover your mission. I love it. Last week we talked about what is our calling. If we could get all these other things out of the way that are distracting us, we might be able to discover what it is God's asking us to do. We can experience real freedom. I love it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The thing that minimalism misses is they miss the Jesus point of it. They make that their end goal, just to be able to get rid of stuff and say, "I live without this stuff, and I don't need this stuff because I'm free to do these other things." They miss the Jesus point, which I think is the most important point. One of the things that allow you to do is contribute beyond yourselves. It'll be able to you'll be able to help other people. It's good for us to be reminded every single moment that we're together. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about him, and it's about them. And then we discover purpose for our lives. By incorporating minimalism into your life, it says that you can find what lasting happiness is. And that's what we're all about, right? We're all looking for happiness, right? We all want to be happy. Yeah, we do. That's not what God is calling us to. That calls us just to be happy. It's to be filled up and full. Full of Him. So that we can overflow on those around us. It's not just about this euphoric feeling, oh, it feels good today. Bill Hybels wrote a book called Simplify, and in the book he said, there is no point in simplifying your life if you're steering toward an endpoint that doesn't matter to begin with. So we have to have this goal in mind. And so let's, take, let's talk about that. If it's just to declutter your house of stuff just to make room for better stuff, that's not the point. Or if it's just to feel some sense of accomplishment, you know, to kind of check it off your religious um, do's and don't box, like, yeah, I did that, so I feel better about myself. That's not the point. Because remember, from the very beginning when we started talking about this, the journey, the journey in all these disciplines, all these practices, is about a journey of love. It's about us discovering our love for the Lord and his love for us in all these practices. That's what it's about. We let go of these things, we practice these things in order to receive something better than what it was we had before. It's not just about avoiding and removing the things that don't satisfy. It's about filling your life with things that do satisfy. The end point is a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus. And to live out that the rest of your life in simplified days of purpose, true significance, and lasting satisfaction. We invest our lives in things that matter. And these habits are not just for our own benefit because each one of these disciplines have the potential of impacting others' lives for the kingdom of God. When they see us live this way and love this way, it makes a difference. And they want to know why. Why do you live this way? What is what's gotten into you? Or who has gotten into you? So I'm gonna read just a few pieces from this um from this book. We can actually live with our possessions as well. So, so it's not about a hundred items and All things are evil and only 100 items or only two forks or whatever. We can live with our possessions. Using our possessions for the good of others is an idea that dates all the way back to the Old Testament times. God told the Israelites during their exile in a foreign land to settle down, build houses, have families, and seek the welfare of the city. Jeremiah 29.7 When you use what you own to bless the city where you live, your possessions become tools rather than idols. Our money and possessions are tools to assist as we participate in God's kingdom. If we trust money to bring us peace, anxiety is the normal result. If we put ourselves at the whim of the stock market or a cranky supervisor, but if we will use our money, possessions, and the like for God's kingdom, then peace is the result. As Jesus taught us, the value of the treasure of heaven, or says Jesus taught us, value the treasures of heaven, and you'll never want for anything more. Here's a practical application for us. As a family of faith, this is on page 146 in this book, as a family of faith, we need to develop the habit of giving away things to one another. If your car is broke down, you can borrow mine. When someone's washing machine is on the fritz, pick up their laundry and do it for them. When a widow is living far from her children, invite her over to dinner regularly. These activities are not convenient, but love rarely is convenient. It's costly, you know, like the cross.
1: Taking our eyes
0: off of self-preservation allows us to move into other provision mode. That's the thing that separates the church from the rest of the culture we live in. We love people and use things, not the other way around. We love people and we use things. We don't use people, and love things. When you get to the end of your life, you have the ability to do this, there are two questions that are gonna matter. The questions are this. And I thought about this the other day when I was visiting um, a family that comes to our church and visiting their grandmother in the hospital and she was laying there sleeping. My guess is at that particular moment, her biggest concern wasn't about the stuff in her house, the trinkets on her walls, or the trinkets on the shelves. She wants to know, was I loved? Did I love well? What you own, what you've accomplished, none of those, those things matter at that moment. Was I loved? Did I love well? How are you going to answer this question? How are you going to be the one that helps other people answer that question? All right, here's the practical, here's what we're going to do. All week long, I want you to declutter. Start with one room, start with one drawer, start with something. And declutter And then, I want you to collect it all up, whether it's a lot or a little. And I want you to to bring it to the um, Hillcrest Thrift Store down off of 64th Street. It's in the Picture Hills shopping mall. If you guys don't know where that's at, just look it up. It's It's a brand new facility. It's the largest, most beautiful thrift store I've ever seen in my life. It's huge, it's beautiful. Come there. Shoot for like 1.30, just bring it all at 1.30 and then we're going to just drop it all off Then we're going to go in their community room and we're going to talk about it. We're going to fellowship together. We're going to have some snacks together for about an hour and then we'll be done. Now if you're like, great, it doesn't work for my schedule. Saturday at 2 p.m. just doesn't work. Okay, that's fine. Just find another time to drop it off at the Hillcrest Thrift Store here in town. All right, that's my challenge for you. You can listen to what I'm saying and not do it or you can listen and you can do it and experience the freedom that comes along with it. Like I said, if the schedule doesn't work, figure out a different time. This is not legalism. <laughs> figure out the grace, figure out freedom to do it some other way. But Saturday, this Saturday, coming up, a week from yesterday, 30, drop off the stuff, come around, come into the community room at around 2, and, or before 2, and we'll we'll just be together, we'll talk about it. Hey, what was it like? What was it hard? Was it easy? And uh, then we'll, that'll be our, that'll finish up this idea of, Simple living. All right, does it make sense? Clear? Everybody knows? All right, no excuses. You know so, "Well, Brady didn't say, I didn't know. Like, no, you know, okay? That's the altar call for you, is all week long. God, what do I? Keep, what can I live without? What is getting in the way? What do I don't need anymore? Um, and how can I focus more on you? That's, that's what your call is all week long. Let's pray. The worship team comes. Lord we thank you that we are your greatest possession and you treasure us you treasure us to the point that you were willing to give your greatest possession your son in order to redeem us do we do we do we really comprehend Comprehend that. Really? Jesus, are you really enough for every one of us? Is that true? In my heart, as a pastor, is it true for those who are listening to my voice? And Jesus, if you are enough, let's start living like it. Let's start living in such a way that other people see it and that people want to know why. How? I don't know. We're just having a way. Meet us in our clutter, in our mess, in our poverty, in our riches, or just meet us. Teach us the secret of contentment. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, cry out to Him. Tell him he's enough. Ask him to come. Live inside of you so that you can become his greatest possession too. That's that in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs)